All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Professional Sports Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode, and I just want to start off by saying I appreciate all the support and notes I received about the the first episode. It was greatly successful. Um, Again, I really just appreciated all the support and all you guys reaching out. Please continue to do so and share this podcast with your friends and family. Um, It really does mean a lot, and I was just, again, sincerely overwhelmed with how many people um, came up to me or told me something or messaged me or whatever, um, just supporting the pod. It was really awesome to see. And it was again, just super successful. And I want to build off that momentum that I started in week one. Again, I'm hoping to get better and better at this each week. One way you guys can help me with that is actually just by reaching out to me. Um, obviously a lot of you guys are close friends, so you're going to have my phone number. You can just text me directly. If that's not an option for you guys, be sure to follow my Instagram. It's just professional sports talk. That's it. Um, pretty easy to find, and my name's in the bio, so you'll be able to recognize me pretty quickly. Uh, make sure to give it a follow. Keep updated on the latest and the greatest, as I say. And we're going to jump straight into it. Week one was a crazy week. There was a lot of shit that happened that no one could have really seen happen. Um, as typical week one fashion goes, that tends to happen a lot of the years. Um, don't forget last year the Jaguars beat the Colts week one and then didn't win a game for the rest of the year. I'm not saying that there's going to be a team like that. If there is, it's going to be the Texans. But all I'm trying to say is that a lot of these uncertainties, a lot of these unknowns, a lot of these scenarios that no one really could have seen playing out happen more often than you'd think. And that's why week one is just so shitty for sports betting and not <laughs> very ideal. But I realized that. Um, I know that a lot of my takes didn't look too hot. Some of them hit, uh, sort of like the Bears game. That was I was pretty right about. The Dolphins game I was something I was right about. The Broncos game, Chiefs game, uh, Panthers, Jets game, stuff like that. But of course, there was plenty of other games that I got wrong. Uh, a great example of which would be the Steelers and the Bills. I actually took the Bills to cover that spread. That didn't hit. Um, Another one that didn't hit would be the Eagles and the Falcons, and another one would obviously be the Packers and the Saints. Uh, Those are a lot of games that not a lot of people could have seen playing out that way, but if you look back on the film, and if you really, like, thought about the process, like, excuse me, if you really thought about um, the momentum and also, like, the, uh, the, I guess just the the matchups of these teams, it really does make sense. Um, Obviously, no one could have predicted Chandler Jones to get five sacks, and have the Cardinals just blow off the Titans like that, but um, <laughs> that's what she said. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just a it was it was a great game. It was a great weekend for football. Um, I'm hoping that week two keep picks off like exactly where week one left off because honestly, it was a great week. Thursday night football was amazing. The Cowboys Buccaneers game uh, pretty much couldn't have played out better. Um, that was just an amazing game. The Buccaneers obviously, uh, or excuse me, the Cowboys obviously covered that spread. Uh, but regardless, it was a great game. Uh, it really looked like Dak was in week mid mid season form. Dak was really slinging the rock. They asked him to do a lot, and it didn't look like too much for him at all. He looked extremely poised with pressure coming his way. He didn't look nervous to throw the football. And um, jumping off poised quarterbacks, jumping off quarterbacks that are coming off an injury that really looked impressive. Uh, impressive. Whoa. Uh, would be Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow looked really composed in the pocket. Uh, even though his O-line didn't play a great game, they still ran the ball a lot to keep it out of his hands and tried to give him some quick quick release stuff. But even when he wasn't releasing the ball quickly, for example, that Jamar Chase touchdown, uh, he looked extremely comfortable in the pocket. He didn't look like it was the moment was too much for him. 
And honestly, that was just probably one of the games of the week. And that's really hard to say because we obviously just saw the Raiders and the Ravens go to an OT as well on Monday night. And then, of course, the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. Vintage Tom Brady fashion. Tom Brady drives him down the field and kicks a game-winning field goal um, himself. No, I'm kidding. But uh, the Buccaneers ended up kicking a game-winning field goal and win that game. So there were a lot of great games this weekend. Um, I just want to start off by saying I am going to try and reduce the timing of this pod because I realize the last one is really long, and I'm sure a lot of you guys don't want to sit through an hour and a half. Um, a lot of you guys won't even be able to sit through an hour and a half. So like I said, I'm going to try and make this one a little quicker. I'm going to briefly go over some of my takeaways from last week's game. I'm not going to go over every single game for obvious reasons. That would just take far too much time. But I'm now opening my phone. I'm going to my notes app. and I'm going to tell you what I saw and what I really took away from some of those matchups. Because even though week one, you can't take too much away from it. There's just so much rust in some teams. There's some teams that are overly confident. There's some teams that for example, a great example of this would be the uh, the Buccaneers, or excuse me, the Packers and the Saints game, where I feel like the Packers just didn't weren't in stride at all. It was very obvious that Rodgers hadn't been training with his team. They looked out of sync. Um, they looked overly confident. They looked like they'd been sleeping on the Saints. And the Saints might have been the other way around. The Saints were a humble team coming into this. Uh, a lot of people are projecting them just to barely make the playoffs or miss them entirely. So I think this was a great confidence booster, and I I really do wish the best for the Saints. I think it was awesome that Jameis Winston really showed up and was an efficient passer. Five touchdown passes is just great. Uh, I really hope he can keep that momentum coming in the season. I really hope this domination, honestly, of the Packers can really give him a load of confidence that he deserves and that he has earned. Um, so some of my takeaways from t- from week one. Oh, another thing I want to say before I get into this. I said um like a thousand fucking times in my last pod, so I'm really going to go out of my way and try to do the best that I can to not say stuff like that. Uh, there it is. There, there it is. Um, but so if I do say it, and if you notice me getting annoyed with myself, just let me do my thing, because I'm, I'm going to get annoyed with myself until I can fucking get this out of my vocabulary, because I really feel like I don't say it that much until this comes on, and I'm just blabbering to myself, so it's really hard to avoid um anyways i'm gonna do my best moving on to some of my takeaways first game that really stood out to me was the chargers versus the washington football team uh this game really stood out to me because it was honestly like fairly predictable and that's why it kind of um it wouldn't sound as exciting as it sounds but it just really was like uh looking for that chargers win and it was the way they won it that i really liked uh they're Obviously, Ryan Fitzpatrick went down with injury, which you don't want to see. But some of the things I wrote down in my notes is that Herbert is obviously a legit quarterback. We we already knew this, but his physical talent is just insane. And I think it's really impressive to get a week one win with a brand new coach. Um, I think that speaks a lot to his character. I also think that speaks a lot to his abilities and also Brandon Staley's abilities, who I am... As I've said in the first pod, I'm huge believers in both of those guys, particularly them together. I think it's a great fitting, and I think this game really showed that because this is definitely a trap game. Washington's probably got one of the best defenses in the league. You're still a very young quarterback who can obviously struggle against elite defenses like this. You have a brand-new coach, like I said, uh, a whole new staff coming in, and it's just on paper it could it could have been disastrous i d- decided to stick with my gut and go with the chargers to win the game and, and cover the spread which they did um and i was really happy with that 
Uh, a couple. Th- another thing I noticed was that Washington football team's O line played great. Uh, Gibson took advantage. Antonio Gibson, that is. Antonio Gibson took advantage of the holes they were placing for him, and he looked like he was running really well. Picked off right up from where he left from last year. I think he's going to be a borderline uh, RB one, uh, high end, very very high end RB two type of deal. Um, I think he's like around a running back twelve from a week to week basis, which would in a lot of leagues land him as a low end RB one. And I think his ceiling is even higher than that. I just really like what I see from him. Uh, as far as far as the Chargers go, though, Chargers O line is definitely having some growing pains. Um, again, this is an extremely tough matchup to face in the first week, so I don't expect that to keep to continue going forward. I just think this is like a really good test to their skills. I guess honestly, a lot of these times when you see like a, a front like this, a front seven facing like a newly built offensive line, you expect to see. A lot of turmoil and even though there was some I don't know mishaps as some may say I thought it was really encouraging how they played against a front like this because again this might be the, the very best front in the league so I was very encouraged about what I saw despite the growing pains um, and then I also said that the Chargers have one of the most complete rosters in the league which I, I still completely I still completely think that especially if Kenneth Murray can show up at the linebacker position which I think he can I still completely believe in him they're just loaded on all fronts. They they really don't have many weaknesses at all, and I just really liked what I saw. Another thing I took away from that is that uh, if Taylor Heineke can just take care of the football and not make a lot of mistakes, because uh, that was one of the reasons why I was down on the Washington football team this year is mostly because I don't trust Fitzpatrick. If you remember that in my first pod, he's very turnover prone, and he's had like a few good weeks. He can be very flashy, but it's very hot and cold. Now with Taylor Heineke coming in and Ryan Fitzpatrick going to the IR, if Taylor can just take care of the ball and play his role in that offense as Ron needs him to, this is going to be a 10-win team, and I may have been sleeping on them. Moving on to my thoughts on the Jacksonville and Houston game, because this was another game that a lot of people didn't see coming, and a lot of people were very surprised at looking at the, the score. Um, and I completely agree with those people. I slept on the Texans completely. I'm not saying that the Texans are going to be some surprise team this year, and they're going to have success for the rest of the season, but... It, it makes sense when you really break it down. Uh, they were just a bunch of veterans on that team, and they were hungry for a win. They know what it's like to win in the NFL. Mark Ingram's been there. Tyrod Taylor's been there. Uh, Brandon Cooks has won a Super Bowl before. So it's just it's a lot of hungry veterans against a lot of young, unproven guys in the Jaguars, particularly their, when you're head coach and when you're quarterback or in their first year. I consider that a lot of inexperience. I think a lot of more people should have been on the Texans in this game. Um, I It just really makes sense the more I think about it. And I'm not saying they're, again, I'm not saying they're going to keep this going, but it just does make a lot of sense. Some of the things I wrote down um, is that I really like the Texans' right running back room. I like the way they used all of them. I wasn't expecting Mark Ingram to get such a future feature role, but they, their snap counts weren't all that different um, between Lindsey and David Johnson. I expect Lindsey to get a little less touches moving forward. But honestly, it doesn't really matter just because if you're in a 12-man league or a 10-man league, you're not going to be touching these guys anyways unless you have a ton of flex positions, something like that. Then you might be looking for a Mark Ingram. Um, But that's like in a very desperate situation, maybe as like an RB5, something like that, low-end RB4 maybe on the best day of his life. Um, So yeah, you're not really looking for those guys anyways. Uh, but but one guy you could look for is definitely Brandon Cooks as a wide receiver three, a low-end wide receiver three at that, but he's still a wide receiver three. Uh, I doubt he's in many of your l- leagues on the waiver wire, but if you, you do have him on your roster and you were considering him as a drop candidate or you're considering, is this legit productivity? Can I trust this? Because he did have a good game. 
Um, I wouldn't trust it from week to week, but if a really desperate flex play or say a couple of your receivers get injured and you got to throw them in there, I wouldn't hesitate, especially against a decent matchup because we've just seen time and time again, Brandon's going to do Brandon things when he goes to different systems and he's going to be good wherever he's at. Um, there it is. There's the, um, sorry guys. I just, I can't help, but <laughs> can't help but notice it. Moving on to the Seahawks and the Colts. This is another game that really stood out to me, mostly because it was just really fun to watch. And I always like watching Russell Wilson early in the season. Uh, he's just a freaking baller. I, I love the way the Seahawks team plays football. Uh, particularly, I one of the things I actually wrote was I love the way Chris Carson plays ball. Uh, he's just a great team player. Even though he's not like the most efficient runner in the league by any means, he's not the most dominant running back I've ever seen. The fact that a seventh round draft pick, I think he's a seventh round draft pick, can come out and just really year after year do whatever the hell the Seahawks need him to do. He can catch a few balls out of the backfield. He runs efficient enough to where they're not going to move on from him, but they also don't have to overpay him. He's just a great fit for their team, and it's really obvious that he's dedicated to that team. Uh, in my opinion, he really plays like it. And obviously, you can say that about a lot, any almost any football player in the NFL. I love the way they play, but it's just something about watching the film on Chris Carson that he's just fully committed and devoted to this coaching staff. And you can see he clearly trusts Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll to carry him to many W's, which they already have. Uh, another thing that stuck out was the Lockett-Wilson chemistry has just gone nowhere. Uh, it, obviously, DK had a touchdown this game too, but Lockett was really the, re the star receiver of the show that day. Um, he really lit up the Colts, and it was just a great way to see them start the season because a lot of these times, Lockett can come off to a slow start, or sometimes they'll start really hot and come slow, and that, that may be very well be the case here. Tyler Lockett may slow down, but the point is their chemistry is still very much there. These receivers have been together for a few years now, and it's only getting better and better, and I really like it. Uh, Seattle, another thing that's still about Seattle is that it's just... I said it in the first pod, Seattle is just steady as a rock. Like, you know what you're going to get with Seattle. They've made the playoffs like eight or nine straight years, something like that. And they just look like the same team. They're doing all the same things. They're using Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams in the same way. Uh, one of the things the Seahawks are just so good at is they know how to make their best players be put in the best positions to succeed. And that's all I saw from Bobby and Jamal and DK and Tyler Lockett and even Chris Carson and Russell Wilson, of course. So it was just great to see that. Um, let's see. Uh, the Colts also looks pretty similar to last year. One of the notes I wrote down here is that uh, they didn't—they don't have too many playmakers, particularly on the out wide. Um, they're like a really good receiver away from I think being a playoff team, and I think that would really help Carson's game. Uh, I really wanted them to go after Kenny Galladay this offseason for that reason. Obviously, that didn't end up happening that way, but they still look plenty well coached. Their O line is wasn't as dominant as I think they will be later in the season and I will think that I do think they'll get their running game going more Jonathan Taylor's still a fucking stud he had a couple runs where he just doesn't go down on contact and he's super strong running uh and there's just not much else to say there but I think the Colts are still on that very cusp of the playoffs they're still very well coached but I just don't trust their playmakers right now outside of Jonathan Taylor Moving on to my favorite game of the weekend, um, maybe not so much anymore. When I wrote this, it was my favorite game, but I hadn't watched the Baltimore uh, Raiders game yet, and that was just an amazing game. Anyways, my favorite game as of Sunday was the Vikings versus the Bengals. That was just so much fun to watch. I was really 
just pleased by what I saw. As I touched on earlier, Joe Burrow looked composed, com composed, composed. He looked poised. I just mixed composed and poised in the same word. Composed. I like that. He was very composed <laughs> in the pocket. Um, and I really was just impressed by that because you really wouldn't think that this was a very young quarterback coming off a devastating knee injury. And it was just very impressive for me to see. He looked like a veteran out there. He had nearly no hesitation in a lot of his reads. He didn't have too many bad reads, which was something that I noticed out of Lamar, actually. Uh, there was a couple plays where Lamar just completely missed Mark Andrews open, particularly on the sticks where they could have had a first down. I'm forgetting the play right off the top of my head, but I know there was a play late in the game where uh, Lamar threw an out route to a receiver, missed him, and Andrews, if they show the replay, uh, you can see Andrews is wide open right on the sticks for the first down, and I'm pretty sure that caused a turnover of downs. I don't know if it was a three and out, but I know it was a turnover on downs, and it, it was just, I'm only bringing all this up because there was a lot of quarterbacks that I think are fighting off some rust. It looked like Lamar had a little rust, and Joe Burrow just did not have that. Joe Burrow looked sharp as hell. Uh, his receivers look great. He has playmakers all around the outside. Obviously, I still don't love the Jamar pick, but he's proving the world of why they took him. He's showing everyone uh, that he's a better prospect than Panay, which may not be true, but regardless, he's trying to make his team look smart, and he really did today, or Sunday. You know what I mean. Excuse me. Whew. Uh, what else did I notice about that game? Some other things I noticed about that game is the Vikings just the, the fact that they could have been this close in that game with that many penalties was a little crazy and it also kind of speaks to their tenacity. Uh, they dealt with so many penalties among the O-line and their O-line just overall played super shitty. The Bengals were getting pressure it felt like every other play. Trey Hendrickson looked really good. Uh, a few other guys there, I can't remember their names off the top of my head. Anyways, they were getting good pressure. The Vikings O-line looked bad. Uh, Dalvin didn't have too many holes to run through. It just wasn't a great game for the Vikings O-line at all. Uh, but Mixon ran great. They they fed him the, the rock a lot. I'm, I'm assuming that was to protect Burrow. But even then, it just didn't look like Burrow needed that protection. He just, again, looked so poised, so calm. He didn't look panicked at all. Uh, I was really worried about, like, well, you've heard a lot of this, the storyline over the offseason, that Burrow's mental aspect of that knee was going to be the hardest part for him to come back from. And honestly... It didn't look like that at all. Mentally, he looked completely fine. I'm more worried about him pushing himself too much and hurting his body more. Anyways, a great example of this, by the way, is you could probably look this up. Uh, look up Joe's touchdown to T. Higgins. I think it was in the second quarter, the third quarter. I forget right off the top of my head. But he just looked so calm in that pocket. He took a shot after it and completed the ball to T. And it was a great ball. Uh, that's kind of all I have to say about that game. Uh, so moving on to the Cardinals and the Titans, uh, obviously we all know the, the storylines of this game. Chandler Jones had five sacks. Chandler Jones wants his money. He's going to get paid. Good for him, by the way. That was just phenomenal to see. That was awesome. A great motivation to give a player, especially a player that talented and that good. I love Chandler Jones. I've always loved Chandler's game. I didn't think he was going to come back swinging this hard. I knew he had his contract dispute, but I also am fully aware he's coming back from a season-ending injury, and that was just amazing to see. Uh, obviously, it fucking blew my bet. I uh, I took the Titans to cover the spread. Uh, I think the over still hit, actually. I don't remember exactly what the over-under is. But 
either way, I don't care about all that. It was just an amazing game to see. I love DeAndre Hopkins. I love Kyler Murray. I really like a lot of these Cardinals young players. Um, Cliff Kingsbury is obviously a coach that was that's probably on the hot seat. Needs to show us something. Needs, needs to prove to us that he can coach in the NFL level. And this was just a great way to start, a great way to give his team some confidence. Not going to say too much here because I'm sure you already know a lot about this game. So I'll just leave it at that. Moving on to the Jets and the Panthers, this is going to be the last game that I'm going to go over from last week because a lot of them. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll say one more thing before this. Just to touch on the Niners-Lions quickly, that was also a phenomenal game. I thought it was amazing how the Lions could bring it back like that. I also thought their game plan and their play calling was just really impressive. I really liked what they did. They didn't rely on the receivers at all. They used their running backs as, re as receivers coming out of the backfield. DeAndre Swift had a lot of success. I expect that to keep going. Keep playing out that way going forward. DeAndre was someone I actually have on one of my fantasy redraft teams, but I ended up benching him just because I know how legit this Niners defense is. But honestly, you can start him in a lot of these types of games, even if you think they're going to be down a lot of the games, just because he's going to catch so many balls. And uh, I think the Lions coaching staff uses their backs and their tight ends really smartly to bail out Jared Goff because who knows maybe as the season goes along the teams just aren't going to respect their receivers at all and they'll end up stopping you know backs and tight ends better but for now until i see it i just really like this game plan i really like the way the lions uh played this game and i think it's going to be successful for them going forward sorry my cat is like getting tangled in my mic cord let me uh yeah she's trying to get pets what's up sonny what's up Sorry guys, let me just uh, move these wires so you guys don't hear the mic come crashing down in the middle of this. Awesome, awesome. All right, so we were going to talk about the Jets and the Panthers before that game was over. Uh, the Jets, uh, I just feel so bad for Jets fans, man. Um, there's still hope with Zach Wilson. I wouldn't give up on him so quickly. I know his stats were awful. It's week one. He's a rookie. Give him a little time. He still has immense talent. That touchdown pass to Corey Davis really displayed that talent. Sorry, my cat is still over here. I'm just going to throw on my bed. Um, that touchdown pass to Corey Davis really showed off his talent. Corey Davis and him really seem to have a nice connection, which I'm very happy about because I'm a wide owner of Corey Davis in a lot of my leagues, and I really trusted him and Zach going into the season. Um, if you have him, you can even look to trade him. Uh, don't trade for him. I wouldn't recommend that because obviously, like the stock market, you don't want to sell your shit when it's low. You want to sell your shit when it's high. So look for a trade there. Uh, and you don't want to buy high either. He's really high right now. His points, I don't know if he's going to stay this high up. So if you have him on your team, you can maybe look to flip him if you really have an offer that you can't refuse. But Honestly, I think it's someone you can still stash on your bench. I think not too, not too many people are going to go after him. If someone obviously reaches and sends you, uh, what's a good example? Like an RB3, and if you're especially if you're in standard leagues, uh, I would take that just because that's someone you can throw out your flex. And I, I always prefer running backs over receivers in standard leagues. In PPR, it's a little different. PPR, he probably is a wide receiver three, so I'd hang on to him at that point. Uh, but regardless, some of the things I wrote down for this game, uh, the first thing I actually said is despite loss and despite inefficiencies, Wilson has a shit ton of talent, which I still think is very true. Uh, the Jets also just, their O-line play was absolutely shit. Uh, sure, the Panthers, I almost just called them the Cats. <laughs> sure, the Panthers, because I wrote in my notes here, uh, dominant front seven play by Cats, question mark. Um, that could be true. 
the Panthers definitely could have an upgraded front seven. I like a lot of their pieces. I like Brian Burns, obviously. He's a stud. Uh, he's going to be really good in the future. He's still really young. I like Shaq Thompson. I like Derek Brown. Hassan Reddick obviously had a breakout year last year. He still has some shit to prove to us. But regardless, it's good on paper. But the thing is, this Jets O-line is just not very good. So it's not the best indicator to how good they can actually be but regardless against bad competition it's not a bad defense to stream uh, week to week and it's also not a bad defense to just stash if in deeper leagues um something just just came up uh moving on to actually one more thing i want to say about that game is uh yeah trade Corey davis trade robbie anderson because their stocks are pretty high right now and robbie was getting this is, this is going to sound stupid because Robbie was someone who I was hyping up, and Robbie's still someone I'm decently high on. He still has that connection with Sam Darnold, but if you just look at his raw numbers, his raw targets, he was fourth yesterday, or Sunday. This is Tuesday recording this, so he was fourth on Sunday in targets uh, behind DJ Moore, uh, Terrence Marshall, and damn, who's the other receiver there? Was it McCaffrey? Yeah, it must be McCaffrey that they're qualifying it as. Um so and his i think he only had one catch if i'm not mistaken that one catch was that touchdown so his stats are really inflated right now that can be look look for someone to sell uh but as i've said before carolina's weapons are just fucking legit if sam can just play smart ball and not turn the ball over the panthers are going to be a scary team who can be on upset alert each and every week against who they're playing um obviously they're going to be favored some weeks yada 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 whatever Moving on to my game picks, again, I need to hurry this up because I've already been talking about last week's game for 25 minutes, and I promised that I'd make this faster. So we're going to go through these bets a little quicker than last time. I'm not going to focus as much on the knick-knack details of it all. I'm just going to look at the spread, tell you my initial thoughts straight up, and then make my picks. So moving straight into the Thursday night game, which is Giants at Washington. Um, the Washington football team is favored by three and a half points, and I think... I, I don't have to say much here. Washington's front seven is amazing. The Giants' O-line is still completely terrible. The Giants just got their ass kicked by a Broncos team, which I think is very similar to this Washington team. This Washington team probably even has a better defense. Maybe their offense isn't quite as explosive, especially with Heineke under center. But, if again, if Heineke can take care of the ball, they're going to beat... Someone's calling me. Let me decline that. Sorry if you could hear that. Uh... They're going to beat this Giants team by more than three and a half points, in my humble opinion. Um, we just, again, we saw a very similar game script to this last time, and I don't think this Giants line is going to be able to contain this Washington front at all. So give me the Washington in that game. Not much to say there. Take the spread on that game. Uh, Over-under is at 41. Um, ooh, that's a really, really, really tough one. Um, honestly, I'd probably say the under. I'd probably say the under just because both of these offenses can be a little underwhelming at times, and I think this might be a tougher game for these offenses. I still think this Giants team has parts on defense to slow a team like Washington down. Um, I think a, a key component of this game and really an X factor to look out for is Antonio Gibson. If the Giants can slow down Antonio Gibson, which they've proven last year that they're actually a pretty good team against the run, uh, if they can do that, if they can slow him down, I think this is going to be an under game. Moving on to the next game, it's going to be the Saints at the Panthers. I'm really looking forward to this game just because the, they're pretty different teams. Carolina doesn't ne necessarily have the best O-line play. It's, the Saints have probably one of the best O-lines in the league, maybe the third best, something like that. Um, God damn it. Stop saying um, motherfucker. Okay. 
Saints are favored by three and a half. And building off the momentum from last week, I would take them with the spread in this game. Uh, just because I think Jameis is ultra confident right now. Obviously, Jameis can come down to back to earth. He can throw some picks. But even if he does, I think that this, this offense is just explosive enough. Alvin Kamara is going to have enough yards. This O-line is dominant enough that they're going to win this game. Even their defense still has a bunch of studs. Demario Davis, Cam Jordan, Marshawn Lattimore, obviously. Bradley Roby's probably going to be playing this game. Uh, that other corner they got. Yeah, whatever, it doesn't really matter. That's not really their stars anyways point is um i think they match up with this carolina team pretty well uh they're obviously a pretty good run stuffing team which is going to slow down mccaffrey mccaffrey's pro- this is probably going to be one of those mccaffrey games where he probably gets 100 yards receiving uh off like 10 11 targets uh obvi- you're never going to be sitting christian but really look for christian to have a great game here i think he uh, most of their offense is going to run through them i'm really worried about sam in this game i feel like this is a, a darnold game where he could throw a few picks uh and just because both of these quarterbacks are kind of gunslingers. They're going to take some chances. Um, I think this is still going to be an over game. I think there's going to be a lot of offense in this game. I think both of these offenses are going to be on the field often. Uh, but still, give me the Saints three and a half spread, and I think they'll cover that. And then give me the over of 44 points. I think that'll be over as well, just because both of these teams have explosive offenses. Moving on to the Bears, the since whoa. <laughs> Moving on to the Chicago Bears at the Cincinnati Bengals, but it's in Chicago, so I guess it's Bengals at Bears. Uh, the spread's at three right now. Uh, Chicago's favored by three points. Over-unders at 45. Uh, I really hope we see Justin Fields in this game, but I really doubt it. It's an Andy Dalton revenge game, and I think uh, Matt Nagy's going to give him the benefit of the doubt and let him stay in there, which is too bad because I think it's really hindering them. Uh, as a Bears fan, it was just really frustrating to watch that Rams game. I knew we were going to get blown off the field. I kind of called that. Um, I didn't even know if we were going to score a touchdown. But the point is, uh, Justin Fields' rushing touchdown itself is just a great example of what we can bring to an or what I shouldn't say we. That sounds very biased. Of what the Bears can bring to their offense if he's on the field that Andy can't. Um, and let's be honest, he's. We all know that Justin's more talented. Sure, he doesn't have the experience. Sure, he might make more mistakes. But if you're just looking at talent, Justin's the guy. Um, I hate to say this, but give me Cincinnati in this game to cover that spread. We just saw him beat that Vikings team who their O-line obviously was really disappointing them and hindering them a game. They got a ton of penalties. They allowed a ton of pressure. Uh, One of the things I was actually impressed about with the Bears was their O-line play and how they handled Aaron Donald. Um, He didn't really show up until the third quarter of that game, as he normally tends to do when those offensive linemen just get tired. Uh, and they just really can't handle the beast anymore. So it's it's a tough one. I think David Montgomery's about to have a really good game. Um, but I just think that the Cincinnati offense is just too explosive for this Bears defense, who looked goddamn awful, just so bad. Uh, hopefully I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong about this one. But, I mean, if you force me to put money on this, I'd probably take Cincy to cover those points. Uh, even if the Bears win, give me Cincy to cover the points. The over-under's at 45 right now, and I'm probably gonna take the under. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be a very high-scoring game. I know 45 points is really not that much. That'd be like a 25 to a 24 game to go over, but I just can't see. I think this is gonna be a highly defensive game. I think both these offenses are gonna be um, 
fairly stalled out, but I think Cincy's just going to put up a little more points and they're going to end up getting the W in this game. You know what, fucker? Give me the over on that. The more I'm thinking about this, I don't. that's really low. Yeah, give me the over. Give me the over. All right. Next, we have the Texans at the Browns. The Browns choked that win against Kansas City. The thing is, can you even call it choking when you're playing against Mahomes? Because that's just Mahomes. That's just what Mahomes does. Mahomes is going to keep doing that. Um, Mahomes, his O-line looked absolutely awful in the first half. They kind of picked it up towards the end. They started looking like they were getting a little more stingy. But again, you can't take too much away from that because this Cleveland Browns front seven super legit. Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney coming off the edge is just going to make any defense miles better. Uh, I get it, Miles, Miles Garrett. Um, ha! Uh, but yeah, it was just, just wow. Patrick Mahomes is incredible. Travis Kelsey's incredible. Tyree Kill's incredible. Uh, I I'm just like I just don't know how you can pick Cleveland to beat Houston by 12 and a half points right now uh, with everything I just said even though Cleveland's probably the second best team in the AFC and I still think they're going to make the AFC championship game and play have that rematch against the Chiefs I really do um, obviously that's not like a guarantee or anything but if I had to put money on it right now that's what I'd say but from what we saw from this Houston team a bunch of veterans a bunch of guys who know how to win as I said earlier uh, give me Houston and the points in this one. I, I'm not saying they're going to win this game by any by any stretch of the imagination, but 12.5 points, especially for an NFL game, is a shit ton of points. Um, yes, it's in Cleveland. Yes, Cleveland's fired up. Yes, Cleveland's going to be hungry to get another W because of that embarrassing loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. But again, it you can't really be embarrassed when you're playing against Mahomes like that. It's really just like, it's not like not expected, if that makes sense. Um, I'm not saying it's expected, but it's not like we couldn't see that happening the over under of this game is at 48 oh man um i'd say the under probably i think this is going to be a tough defensive game i think the texans are going to do everything they can to slow down the run of cleveland i think they're going to make baker beat them with his arm which i think he will um but i think that's why this game is going to be a little low scoring i think that's why this game is going to be a little closer than people think um, so yeah, give me Houston, give me the under in that game. Moving on to the Rams at the Colts. Uh, the Rams are currently favored by four points, and I'm going to take that just right off the bat. I'm going to take that. Uh, this Rams offense looked like they were in midseason form against the Bears. Obviously, this Bears def that that Bears defense, this Bears defense, whatever, um, is not the Bears defense of old. We are very used to you know, dominant Bears defenses, and this is not going to be the case this year. If the Bears are going to win games, it's going to be because of their offense this year. Sure, their defense still has some playmakers. Of course, Khalil's still there. Eddie Jackson can still make a play or two. But God damn it, Eddie, learn how to fucking tackle, man. Oh, he was frustrating to watch in that game. He was so frustrating to watch in that game. That's a first-team All-Pro. Like, what the hell are you doing? But that's neither here nor there. I can rant about the Bears all day and just piss myself off, so I'm not going to do that. Um, anyways... Is this at, yeah, this is in Indianapolis. That doesn't matter. You give me the Rams. Um, they're going to cover that spread of four points. Their offense is just explosive as hell. Uh, I still don't trust Carson Wentz. I still don't, like I said earlier, the playmakers on Indianapolis just aren't that great. Sure, the Rams can be kind of susceptible to the run, but I think the Rams are just going to get so far ahead in this game that Indy's going to be forced to throw, and that's when Carson really can play hero ball and try and do too much. Um, Hopefully he doesn't do that. Hopefully he keeps the turnovers down. But regardless, give me the Rams uh, point spread in this game. I think they're going to win by more than four points. And the over-unders at 47 and a half. 
Um, I w I'd probably take the over in this game as well. There's a lot of overs this week. These, these seem really low. Uh, by the way, I'm getting all these odds at CBS Sports. Um, you can go over and then check them out there yourself. I did the same thing last week, so I decided I'd just stick with it. Anyways, thank you, CBS, for checking me out. Moving on to the Broncos at the Jaguars. Uh, Denver's going to be favored in this game by six points. Over-unders at 45 and a half. Um, not too much to say here, except Teddy Bridgewater's just a great facilitator. He doesn't cause many turnovers. He doesn't make many mistakes. Uh, the Jerry Judy injury really hurts. Jerry Judy's a stud. Jerry Judy is someone who a lot of people were targeting in drafts, including myself, especially in the later rounds if he fell that far. Uh, but this is really going to help Cortland Sutton's production, KJ Hamler's production, um, Tim Patrick's production. I don't think this offense is going to take too big of a step backwards, uh, even missing Judy. I still think they have plenty of playmakers on the outside, and I still just haven't seen enough from Jacksonville, uh, and I just don't really trust them yet. So give me Denver here. Uh, six points is a lot of points. I'm aware of that, but it's... Oh, wait, no, it's not in... Denver. I thought this game was in Denver. Oh, that actually kind of like it does make a big difference just because that elevation. Denver's used to practicing there. Obviously, Jacksonville has freaking no elevation, so they're not very used to that. Um, that was honestly playing a pretty big factor in the spread here. Um, nah. Oh, man. This is like a, this is a really really hard one. I could easily see this being a push. Uh, I could easily see Denver winning by exactly six points. Um, over unders at forty five. We'll just start there. Um, man, give me the under. I know that's really low scoring, but I think this is going to be a really low scoring game. Uh, both these offenses, I just haven't seen a lot from. And fuck it, give me Jacksonville. Give me Jacksonville with the points. I still think Denver's going to win this game, but probably just by a field goal. I think Jacksonville, especially Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence, I don't think they've ever taken a loss as bad as they just took last week. So they're going to be really hungry to bounce back and get this win. But I just think Denver's too experienced. They're too talented on defense. They're still going to win this game. Um, I would have had them covering that spread if this was in Denver, but I just can't quite do that. I think the Jaguars are going to keep it competitive, keep it close. I think they'll play tough defense. Um, yeah, that's about that's about it there. Moving on to the last game before I pause this recording and come back to it because I actually do have class to get to. We got the Bills at the Dolphins, and the Bills are favored by three and a half points. Uh, the Bills were very underwhelming last week, and I think they're a little embarrassed by that. I really did not expect that to happen. I thought the Bills were just going to pick up momentum right for the right where they left off. I thought Josh Allen was going to come out slinging. I knew how good that Steelers defense was, but I just didn't think it was going to matter, uh, purely because I didn't think that Pittsburgh offense would be able to keep up. But sure enough, Mike Tomlin did his thing. Great fucking coach. Like seriously, cannot give him enough praise. That was just seriously impressive. Anyways, that's not a not about last week. Let's keep it on this week. Miami at Buffalo. No. Buffalo at Miami. That does make a difference. That really does. Um, not too much this time of year, but it still it still can a little bit. Um, obviously, the time zone's the same. Yeah, and the more I think about it, this time of year it doesn't really fucking matter. Um, Buffalo's favored by three and a half. Give me Buffalo. I think they're going to look for a bounce back. Um, I think Miami's going to keep it competitive, but I just think Tua is not nearly as explosive as Josh Allen is. I think Josh Allen's going to be pissed. Um, obviously, Miami's going to throw some crazy complex schemes at them, as they always do, kind of like what happened last week. Um, 
played out kind of similar to how I saw Miami through a shit ton of schemes at Mac Jones that he wasn't familiar with, confused him, very low scoring as I predicted. Um, I think this is going to be a rather similar scenario. I think Miami's just going to depend on their run game and their defense to win them a lot of games. But regardless, I think Buffalo's just too angry right now. They have a lot to prove, um, but at the same time, they don't. I mean, they've showed us already that they're, they're a dominant team. Week one shit happens all the time. Uh, I don't think those inconsistencies carry inconsistencies. Excuse me, carry over. Uh, so give me Buffalo in this game. This the total over under is at forty seven and a half. Um, oh. This is also a really tough one. I could definitely see this being a push, but it can't because it's a half. Um, what am I saying? Um, this is like the one I didn't think of before I got on this pod. Um, I guess if I have to go like off first impression, first off, I would not bet on this shit because I feel like this is a very volatile game. Both these teams can play pretty hard defense if they need to, and I just um, think Miami's offense can at times just disappear um, when their defense shows up. So I guess I'd say give me the under. Uh, that's a very skeptical under, and I wouldn't hold myself to that, but I know you guys will. Anyways, I'm going to pick this pot up in about an hour. I'm going to stop the recording here, and you'll catch me at the Patriots and the Jets game. See you guys. All right, guys. I'm back from class. I'm ready to keep going. We're going to pick it off right where we left off. Sorry about that little cut, but you guys won't even notice it. All right, moving on to the Patriots at the Jets. This is another fairly easy game. Uh, Patriots are favored by five and a half points. Um, personally, I'm kind of surprised it's not more. I think the Patriots will cover that. Um, it's not a knock on Zach Wilson necessarily. It's just more so a knock on a lot of their injuries. Uh, Makai Beckton is possibly just their best player, flat out, is out for six weeks, I believe. Um, I'm forgetting the injury right off the top of my head, but I know he's injured. I know he's going to be out for a little while. Um, and I know that this New England team tends to, you know, have their way with rookies. A lot of rookies don't find success against them. That scheme is just really difficult and that difficult to break down, I guess. It's also just extremely complex. Not easy for a rookie quarterback to go down there and ball. And I, I don't see that happening. Over-unders at 43, that's also an under I'd be looking at taking. Both of these offenses, at least right now, until they catch their stride, they're both fairly underwhelming and with that being said the Jets defense is not very good fairly underwhelming as well so that's why I'm taking New England and I'm taking the spread this game I think they're going to cover that and take the under not much to say there. just gonna again I'm trying to make this pod quicker than the last one the last one was really long I realized that I was losing energy by the end of it I wasn't my full you know engaged self I wasn't I just wasn't it wasn't my best work is what I'm trying to say and I want to get these going out faster and I want just to be able to have people listen to these easily and not be have I guess like a task to listen to these I, I just want it to be easy and flow whatever point is I'm gonna try and speed this up Niners at the Eagles this game is in Philly obviously the Niners are favored by three and a half uh, over unders all the way at 50 which is one of the higher totals of the of all the games from this weekend um, this is a game that I think people just don't really know what to think of Philly right now, and they don't really know if last week was a fluke or if Atlanta's really just terrible. Like, I, I personally, I think Atlanta's probably just really bad. I think Atlanta always tends to start the season pretty slow. They always have these games that they choke up on, 
and they didn't even necessarily choke a lead on this one or anything. They just couldn't get much going at all. It was uh, two field goals in the first few possessions of the game and then absolutely nothing from the offense. I wasn't very encouraged with what I saw. On paper, though, I think this is actually a pretty good matchup for Philly. Philly's trench work, and by trench work, I mean their, their O-line and their defensive line are the two strongest points of their team. And honestly, I might have been sleeping on, on them a little bit because of that. Those are two great strengths to have. If you want to have two things on your defense, or sorry, on your team that are really successful, you really want, obviously, great quarterback play helps any team, but great trench work can really win you a lot of games. If your O-line is pushing a de defensive line around, your quarterback's going to have good protection, your running backs are going to have lanes to go through, and then vice versa. If your D-line's penetrating, that's going to put their quarterback under pressure. That's going to give their running back less holes to run through. So it just affects a whole game plan. With all that being said, though, I still think I'd probably take the Niners to cover that spread. Uh, it's very hard to say. It's only three and a half points, so it could easily be covered by the Niners, I think. Again, this is kind of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of a, oh man, there's a word I'm looking for that I can't think of right now. It's kind of a trap game, I guess that's what I want to call it. I think the Niners could easily walk into a trap here and be beaten out by the by the Eagles. I would not be surprised. Um, and it, even if you don't want to listen to me, because this, this is, again, this is a hard one. If you don't want to listen to me and you want to take the Eagles covering that spread, I would not blame you at all. I could easily see this being a field goal type game. I could even see this being a one or a two point type game. Uh, just because of the way Philly's built, uh, San Francisco, of course, dealing with injuries already. Brandon Ayuk completely being a non-factor in that last game. Hopefully he bounces back and has himself a decent day. I remember last year they were playing Philly when he really broke out, had that crazy catch after the run, hurdled the guy for a touchdown, just looked absolutely phenomenal. Hopefully he can replicate that. But again, right now I'm not going to bet against the Niners. I just haven't seen enough from Philly. I don't really know how fluky that was. I don't really know if uh, Jalen's going to be able to keep that accuracy up because, again, that Atlanta team is just not very good, and San Francisco on paper should be a lot better. So if you're going to take the Eagles to cover that spread, I'm not going to blame you at all. Me, personally, if I had to put my name behind one, I would take San Francisco right now. Over under at 50 points, as I said earlier. This is going to be a fairly high-scoring game. I really do think so. Even though 50 is one of the higher totals of the game, I'd probably still take that over. I think this is going to be a high-explosive high-flying explosive game i think we're going to see both running games get going often and early um i think they're going to have success and i think these receivers on both of these teams are also going to have decent success with the loss of jason verrett and also philly's secondary just not being very good so again trying to keep it short moving on to the next game we got the raiders at the steelers keeping this fairly brief the steelers are favored by five and a half points which i think is just quite a lot right now the i was really really impressed with what the raiders did on Monday night against the Ravens. I know the Ravens are dealing with a lot of injuries. It's not their best ball. Lamar had some uncharacteristic mistakes. He didn't read the defense great all the time. There was a few times where I thought he made not necessarily arid throws. He, he wasn't throwing the ball itself that terribly. Again, I just think his reads weren't really there. I think there was a few times where he could have taken a check down a little better or he could have uh, just stuff just stuff like that. Just in a general rule of thumb, he wasn't reading the field as well as I've seen him read it before. Point is, and Las Vegas, I may have been sleeping on, on them a little bit, uh, mostly because their veteran presence in that locker room, I seriously think, is just extremely important to that team. I really like what they're doing on defense with their veterans. Max Crosby was getting enormous amounts of pressure. Carl Nisib? Is it pronounced Nisib? I think it's Nisib. He had that very clutch fumble at the end of the game. 
Uh, Cleveland Farrell, their fourth overall pick, didn't even dress, which I didn't realize. That's pretty insane. But uh, props to them for not being hard-nosed, not just suiting him just because he's a fourth overall pick and realizing that he's not one of your best 53 guys and not putting him out there. But beyond that, I really liked what I saw from K.J. Wright, Nick Kwiatkowski, uh, Corey Littleton. They just have a lot going on on a veteran team there. Um, their secondary, I still need to see a lot from, but I really like a lot of their young prospects they have. Trayvon Mullen got burned a couple times. I still have some faith in him, but beyond that, I just really like their safeties. Jonathan Abrams still getting the start, which kind of surprises me because they have Tyler Gillespie, uh, as I've said earlier, Diablo, and Morig, uh, all three of which I think can be solid safeties in the league. So I just really liked what I saw with the Raiders, and I may have been sleeping on them a little bit. Uh, in addition to that, this AFC West and as well as this NFC West are just going to be extremely competitive. These divisions are just going to beat the shit out of each other. It's going to be really interesting to see what goes on through the entirety of the season because these all the, all eight of these teams are... I'm not going to say they're all like in contention of winning the division, but all I'm saying is they're going to be very competitive and they're going to beat the shit out of each other. Point is, give me Vegas in the points this game. Five and a half is quite a bit. Uh, again, I was really impressed with what the Steelers did, and I think this running game is going to get going a lot more this game. Expect Najee Harris to really break out because I, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard this stat, but he took 100% of the offensive snaps. He's obviously their workhorse back. He wasn't very efficient against the Bills last week, but I don't expect that to continue going forward. I really think Najee's going to see some success here. And even if the Steelers still win this game, I think it's more a field goal type game. I think five and a half points is very generous, and I would take the Raiders there. Over under being at 48, I would also take that over. Again, not much to say here. Trying to move a little quickly so I can get to conclusions and also fantasy implications for some of these guys before I wrap up this pod. Moving on to the Vikings at the Cardinals. Obviously, this game is in Arizona. Arizona should be favored. They are favored. They're favored by four and a half. Looking at it here, over under at 51. Um, this is a game, another one of those games. Damn it, I said um. Probably said it multiple times since I've started to up this again, but let's just move past that. This is another game that this spread can be very volatile because I just... Week one, you can't take everything you see. You have to take, excuse me, you have to take everything you see with a grain of salt. You can't just believe and buy into everything you see. You can't overreact too much. Week one, obviously it's not like preseason. It's not that much that you can't take into account, but... Week one, random shit happens all the time. Teams aren't prepared. Teams are rusty. Uh, teams have players coming back from injury. Teams have players that have been injured that they were expecting to be part of their game plan, as in the Ravens, teams like that. So this is a game that could I could really see the Vikings covering the spread. Um, I could also totally see the Arizona just bringing over that momentum into the next week and really just separating themselves in the NFC West, which would be very impressive. Uh, the reason why I'm actually going to take Arizona and the spread this game is because I think I just completely slept on this uh, Cardinals defensive line and their front seven in general. I really like what they have going on here, and I just really hated, really, really hated what I saw from the Minnesota's offensive line. I think they have a shit ton of problems. Um, I really thought they were going to be a lot better. Who knows? Maybe, again, it's just that week one. Uh, not really in game form, not really in game shape type deal, and they'll wake up from that and maybe recover. But I just thought this Arizona's front seven was so damn dominant against the Titans last week that I think they're going to carry over that momentum, especially if Chandler Jones still doesn't have his contract by then. He's going to be extra motivated. I'm not saying he's going to finish with five sacks again or anything like that, but that pressure is going to be there. Kirk's definitely going to feel it, and Kirk's not the best... Uh, 
quarterback under pressure and i also think minnesota's or excuse me i also think arizona's run defense is just good enough to deal with dalvin um again this is a really shady one i could definitely understand why you take minnesota there but give me arizona to cover that spread of four and a half points over over under totals at 51 i'll take that over as well this i really really just loved what i saw from this cardinals offense um and i just haven't seen enough from this minnesota secondary to match up with these wide receivers of the cardinals and that air raid offense going on there next we got tampa versus atlanta uh where is this game yeah this is in tampa that's right this is in tampa the spreads at 12 and a half points which i think is tied for the highest spread of the week along with the browns texans yes it is yes just wanted to make sure um that is a huge spread again that's the type of spread that when you see that you almost want to always take the the underdog excuse me i forgot the word but in this given scenario i just don't know if i would uh it's really hard to say and again that's a massive spread but i think the bucks are just going to carry that momentum they have from week one into this week i think the falcons obviously they're going to try and do their best to run their system they're going to work off mike davis work off play action use that arthur smith scheme that he really brought over that derrick henry aj brown play action um except calvin ridley and derrick henry i mean excuse me calvin ridley and mike davis are no derrick henry aj brown um that's no disrespect to either one of those guys i just think mike davis isn't nearly the caliber of player that derrick henry has i don't think that's very controversial to say so in this given occasion with this dominant dominant run defense of tampa bay and i think they're going to be able to you know have six dbs on the field at sometimes um they're just i don't think atlanta is going to see much success this game i hope that i'm somewhat wrong because i do have a few shares of kyle pitts on a lot of my fantasy teams and i'm still waiting for kyle to have that game i still think he can have that game where he breaks out i called it last week and it didn't end up happening for me but that was a whole bunch of different reasons the Atlanta offense just had a bunch of different problems and if they're having that type of problems against a team like the Eagles then I think they're going to have very similar problems against a team like Tampa so give me Tampa uh, to cover that 12 and a half spread I know it's a lot the over unders at 52 um, that's also a lot of points and honestly I, I'm considering taking the under here just because I don't know how many points uh, Atlanta is actually going to put up so give me the under and give me Tampa to cover the spread Moving on to the Titans at the Seahawks. Uh, the Titans are going to look for a bounce-back game. They, they got humiliated by the Cardinals. Uh, I don't see something like that happening again. I just think that they're too good of a roster, particularly on offense, to let that happen. Um, I just think that the Cardinals were just playing out of their mind. Obviously, Chandler Jones was extremely motivated, and that defensive front is quite something when healthy. Hopefully, they can stay that way. So... But to me, this spread is, it's five and a half right now. Seattle's favorited. Um, I would take Tennessee. I just don't see something like that happening again. I don't think the Seattle front's nearly as good as Arizona's is. And I think they have to blitz to compensate a lot with Jamal Adams and all that type of stuff. I think Derrick Henry's going to have a big bounce back game. I think they're finally going to get into that play action. Um, I still think Seattle's going to win this game, but give me Tennessee to cover the spread. Not much to say there. Just expect a bounce back game. That's about it. Over-unders at 54. 
Um, I think this is going to be a pretty damn high-scoring game. I don't think either of these defenses are really in their stride yet. I think they have a lot of potential and a lot of talent on both of their teams, but I, d I just haven't seen enough from these defenses yet, and these defenses do, particularly with the Seahawks, we know we're getting more. We know like the players. We know the personnel. They've been there for a few years by now, but they're very shaky at times, and there's times where they can be one of the worst defenses in the league. So until I see that they're in that last half of last season mode and their defense is performing at a really high level i think this is going to be a high scoring game and i think that's going to go over the over of 54 points moving on to the cowboys at the chargers this is going to be this is at the chargers right yeah this is so five perfect um this is going to be a great game i'm really really looking forward to this game mostly because i have a lot of shares of a, both of these parts of these offenses uh they're very pass heavy offense particular in the Dallas's case but I really think we're going to see both of these running backs in Zeke 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 what the hell did I just say Zeke Ezekiel Elliott you know what I mean in Zeke and Austin Eckler have big games um, I think they're going to catch a few passes out of the backfield Austin more likely to catch those double digit passes I'm not saying he will it's just more likely to uh, I think this is going to be a very high scoring game and Vegas does too. The over-unders at 55. That's a hard over to take. It really is because that's a lot of points, especially in an NFL game. But honestly, I think they're going to go over it. I think these offenses are going to be high flying. I don't think these defenses are going to be able to stop one another. I think it's really the X factor in this game is really going to be whatever defense has the more clutch plays, has more stops, is going to end up winning this game. Because both, again, both of these offenses are high flying. Young quarterbacks, a lot of receivers great weapons out of the backfield just very similar teams um but i still think that the chargers are a little better right now um the spreads at three points though and that's very very close i could really truly see this being like a one two score game just the way last week's uh, game was for dallas i could really see something like that happening again so give me dallas for the points but give me the chargers to win take the over of this game again not too much to say fairly similar teams i just Maybe I'm a Herbert fan. Maybe it's my Southern California talking and not being a Dallas fan for the, you know, ever really. I don't love Dallas. I'm, I'll just be honest. I, I like their team a lot. I really like some of their players, but I just can't match their talent as much as I can, I can see in the Chargers. That's about it. It's just, it's just, it comes down to a question of talent and sure, maybe I'm being biased, but yeah, like I said, give me the Chargers, but give me Dallas to cover that spread. Moving on to the second to last game. I believe this is the Sunday night game. Yes, it is. The Sunday night game, we have the Baltimore Ravens versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we just saw the Ravens lose on Monday night to the Raiders in a great fucking game. Uh, Kick-ass game. Just totally had everything you could ever want. Great defensive clutch plays on both sides. Uh, decent special teams play. Um, exciting quarterback play. Exciting receiver play. Darren Waller's obviously a beast, but... We're not talking about the Raiders right now. We're talking about Baltimore versus Kansas City. Uh, Lamar has come out himself and said that Kansas City is this Baltimore team's kryptonite, and I think that's going to continue into this game. Patrick Mahomes is just too magical. It doesn't matter what this O-line can't do. This O-line may be holding this offense back a little bit, but Mahomes is just so great under pressure. He's so good at scrambling. He's so good at extending plays that I just don't think it matters. Uh, Baltimore, they're going to keep playing their game as far as the run they're going to try and keep Mahomes off the field but I think 
Steve Spagnuolo is very much aware of that. He's going to throw a ton of confusing schemes at Lamar when he is passing. He's going to try and stack the box, send blitzers, so Lamar can't get out of the pocket. Um, I just think this is... I think Baltimore is just frankly walking into a buzzsaw and starting 0-2 in that AFC North is going to be really hard for them to come back from. I'm not saying that they can't. Plenty of teams do every year. But it, do, it certainly does put a little... What's the word I'm looking for? It puts a hole in their season. It puts a little little more pressure on them to turn up. So the spread's at 3.5 right now. Give me Kansas City to cover that. The over-under's at 55 points. Um, man, that's also a tough one. Honestly, a part of me wants to say the under... I really do. Um, I think that this Kansas City team is going to slow down this Ravens offense just enough so they don't have many points, and I think that Chiefs are going to score a whole bunch. Um, but that's not going to be enough to cover this spread, so give me the under there. Moving on to the last game of the day, or game of the week, rather. Sorry about that. We have the Lions at the Packers. Uh, this one was a little surprising to me just because how impressed I was with the Lions last week. Sure, they got a lot of their yards in garbage time, but there was a serious chance for them to come back in that game. And luckily for the Niners, they held off strong and held them off from that comeback. But um, a side note on that game, the spread was at 8.5. Like, this is the type of shit that Vegas does, and it just blows my mind. It was 8.5. They won by 8. It's... It, so many betters just got fucked over by half a point. Anyways, um, so Lions at the Packers. Packers are favored by 10.5. This is in Lambeau. Uh, Aaron Rodgers knows he just got embarrassed. Aaron Rodgers knows that he cannot have that happen again. But at the same time, I kind of like what I saw out of this Detroit Lions team. Their O-line looks like the best part of their team. They got a solid running game going. I like the way they use their weapons, as I've said earlier. They don't rely on their receivers at all. They know they're very weak in that position, so they don't even bother. It's TJ Hawkinson. It's Jamal Williams. It's DeAndre Swift catching balls. And I think they're going to keep it that way, and I don't think this Green Bay defense is good enough to really slow them down. So give me Detroit in the points here. I still think Green Bay is going to win this game, don't get me wrong, but 10.5 points is a lot. That's very, very generous for the Green Bay Packers, especially the way they just come off, came off the greatest ass-whooping Aaron Rodgers has ever taken, and honestly, that was just fucking amazing to see. Over-under is at 48. I'll take the over there. Um, I still think this, this Lions offense is competent enough. I'm kind of sick of the Jared Goff hate. Sure, he wasn't the best. Sure, he's had some really arid throws and shitty moments in his but I don't think that defines his career um I still think he's a competent NFL quarterback and I think this is going to go over 48 I think this is going to be a great Monday night football game I think a lot of people are going to be surprised at how close it was and I I'm not saying people are sleeping on lines or anything I just don't think people fully realize how good this O-line is and how a good O-line can lead to at least multiple wins in the season and at least close games um even if they seriously like even if they go 0 and 17 i still think they're going to be very competitive in a lot of these games because of their o-line all right guys so that sums up all the game picks from this week um i'm really just going to take a couple minutes here because i i know this has been going on for a little while already and i know i was trying to say i was saying earlier i was going to try and make this go by a little faster so i'm just going to be quickly going over first impressions in fantasy football some things that stood out to me some things that you might want to keep in mind some some trade targets some guys to trade away stuff like that um so a couple things i mentioned 
in my last pod that Gerald Everett was someone that you'd want to pick up off your waiver wire because he's available in almost every league and you're going to trade him immediately. Um, he got a touchdown this week. I think he had like 40 yards and touchdowns, something like that. Um, so you're going to want to sell him. Uh, that, that worked out perfectly, exactly how I wanted it. Hopefully you can get something out of it. If you can't, no worries. You can go ahead and drop him. It's really not a big deal. Um, if you want to hold on to him and see what his results back for a couple weeks, go ahead. There's no problem with that. Um, just don't expect too much out of it is what I'm saying. He's not going to have this type of production consistently. I really just don't see it. I still think they like Will Disley a lot over there. Um, so if you can trade him and get a good value out of him, do that now. Um, some other guys that I'd be doing with this, as mentioned earlier, Corey Davis, look to trade him. Uh, of course, you want to pick up Elijah Mitchell off of waiver wires. Um, that's the running back for the San Francisco 49ers. He got the start over Trey Sermon. Apparently, it was like a, it was a um, uh, disciplinary issue, something like that. Like, like Sermon didn't show up in time or... I don't know. There, there was some weird scenario going on there where he was inactive for last week's game. I don't see that happening too much in the future. But as long as Raheem is out um, and there is opportunity in this backfield for Elijah, he's definitely worth a waiver wire ad because, again, it's still waivers. There's no point in not going for it because if he does end up getting a big workload in this backfield and you chose not to pick him up when you could have had him, you're going to be kicking yourself. So I'm just going to shoot that out there. Um few other guys to look for would be I'm not looking at many of the Raiders players right now but just keep an eye on a couple of them for example uh, I really like how they're using Kenyon Drake it really was not familiar with how he um, Arizona was running him god I need to stop fucking saying um it was very different to how Arizona was using him last year he was catching a lot of balls and he was also lining up out wide in the slot uh, just a lot of different schemes and ways they were using him. I really liked that. It was, I really wasn't expecting it. I know I shit on the Kenyon Drake signing a little bit in the week one pod, but that was only because I hadn't seen him be used in this type of role. And honestly, I really liked it. It was really cool. Uh, I thought it was a really good way to incorporate Jacobs and Kenyon and not bring a sort of like, What's the word I'm looking for? Not like mess up the flow of your offense, not make it choppy. It still felt smooth. It still felt like they could both be on the field and be comfortable. So that was that was great to see. Uh, what else? What else? What else? I wouldn't panic about Kyle Pitts. I wouldn't panic about Calvin Ridley. Those dudes are still going to be in an offense that's going to be passing the ball a shit ton. One guy that I would be a little more panicked about would be Mike Davis. Uh, Mike Davis... He didn't look terrible running the ball, but their O-line looked really bad, and he didn't catch as many passes as I was hoping. Uh, he did get a lot of snaps, as we expected, but this offense just looks so bad, that, and they're passing the ball so often that I think a lot of these touchdowns are going to be through the air and not on the ground until they play some of these worst teams. So hopefully you didn't spend too high of a draft pick on Mike Davis. Hopefully he's not at your flex anyways. Hopefully you're benching him, but I just wouldn't be very encouraged from what I saw. I don't know if I already skipped over this game, but I'm going to jump back to it really quick. Uh, some implications of the Niners-Detroit game. There was a lot of great stuff in that game. I really, again, looking what Debo Samuel did, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that type of production or make that... Wait, what the fuck am I trying to say? Whoa. I don't know if he's going to have that type of production again. He really impressed me, and there was... 
a majority of his points really came from one play where I don't remember how many yards it was right off the top of my head, but uh, it was just terrible coverage by Jeff Okuda, completely blown. He caught the ball, ran it all the way for the score, and a majority of his points from this week came from that one play alone. So I wouldn't overreact to that. If you have him, trade him if you can. If you can get something you think is worth out of it, if you can get... He's probably a, a low-end wide receiver three in my eyes, maybe a high-end wide receiver three. If you can get uh, a high-end running back three in standard leagues, or if you can get... If someone... Say, for example, you have Gerald Everett, Debo Samuel. I think a great trade to look for would be something like a uh, like a Pitts, because he's low right now, and then maybe like an RB, low-end RB2, something like that. Um, I think that'd be a great move to make. Because, again, these guys that really produce and their stats are very inflated, like the Robbie Andersons, like the Debo Samuels, they had one big play for a touchdown. You want to sell those guys because that productivity is not sustainable long-term. And again, I don't think Brandon Ayuk's just going to put up a donut like that again. So I don't think Brandon Ayuk's something we have to panic about. And I don't think Debo's something we have to overreact about. But looking at the Detroit side of that game, I really was just, again, I've said this already, but I loved what I saw from their backs and their tight ends. So those are going to be guys that if you have on your bench, you're going to be confident in. Uh, DeAndre Swift comes in as like a low-end RB2, uh, maybe like a high-end RB3 flex play type deal. And then TJ Hawkinson is the real deal. He's he's going to get a fuckload of work. He's going to get a shit ton of targets, even if he's not getting in the red zone constantly because his offense might be a little incompetent. He's going to get a ton of passes, and I see that being the same way with DeAndre. And even Jamal, who had a pretty good game. Jamal is actually someone who, if you can convince someone in your league that they're going to keep using him the way they used him yesterday, you might be able to trade him for above his value right now. Um, I don't know if I'd recommend that because we just haven't seen a whole lot and what his role is. He could seriously have a significant role in this offense, and it might be someone you want to hold on to. But I'm just throwing it out there. If you're looking for receiver depth or uh, maybe you need a better quarterback or something like that, maybe you can package them together with something like that. And I don't, I wouldn't put that against you. I think that'd be a decently smart move. I'm trying to think what else some of the implications were. Uh, The Dolphins, Patriots, I'm pretty sure Gasicki put up a zero for me. I have him in one of my leagues. I can't remember directly off the top of my head. He, he might've done something, but either way, um, this Dolphins team, their offense looks a little underwhelming. They're going to win a lot of their games. They just, the way they just won it against the Patriots, they're going to try and confuse uh, quarterbacks. They're going to try and play it hard-nosed defense. They're going to make Tua just be a game manager. And that doesn't leave a lot of points for fantasy. Again, these backs, particularly Miles Gaskin, is someone we're really going to want to target. I don't know. Let me actually look. I don't know his stats directly. Yeah, he didn't have phenomenal stats. So that actually might be someone who you can look to trade for. Um, the only problem is, again, is that, excuse me, is that, as I've said earlier, Malcolm Brown and Salvin Ahmed 100% have roles in this offense. Even if Miles Gaskin was leading all of them in touches, it, it's still very possible that some of the goal line work goes to, uh, uh, excuse me, not Ahmed, um, Malcolm Brown, and it's still very possible that Ahmed's going to steal a couple catches from him. Uh, regardless, Miles Gaskin could, could be a look for, buy low candidate, could trade for, um, someone you want to be targeting because these wide receivers and I really believed in Mike Gesicki. I really believed in that Tua-Mike Gesicki connection, but it's just not looking like it's there right now. A lot of these receivers looked a little underwhelming. Uh, 
you're still going to want to target Jalen Waddle in your dynasty leagues and stuff like that. But Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddle, it's just a lot of wide receiver three is what I'm hearing. It's just not much upside um, just because of their quarterback play. So that's what I have to say there. Uh, Vikings, Packers, I mean, sorry, Packers, Saints, don't overreact. The Packers are going to be back. Um, Jameis isn't going to have this productivity uh, every single week. He's probably not someone you're going to want to look to start in a 12-man league. Uh, in super flex leagues with 12 players, sure, you could start him as like a mid-range QB2, I would say. Um, but again, I wouldn't expect this type of just efficiency. The, the yards could certainly go up, but this pure efficiency, I believe he only threw like 20, 20 times, if I'm not mistaken. He threw five touchdowns. So that's just extraordinary uh, efficiency that I just cannot see as sustainable. Um... There's not too much to say other than that. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other impressions I have. I've already talked about the Texans-Jaguars. Uh, you know who you're going to start in the Cowboys games. The Buccaneers. Uh, oh, I guess I could say this. A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B, A, B. Business was booming for A, B on Thursday night. That was awesome to see. That was truly awesome. I was a huge believer and Antonio Brown, I really thought that he was going to be the wide receiver to target in this offense purely because of his draft value. It's not that I think he's going to have the most yards or the most touchdowns or the most efficient numbers or whatever, but it's where you were drafting him that made it so worth it. And his dividends are already paying off. I'm already considering him playing at my flex next week in my 10 man league. I just really, really like what I saw from him and it, from him and Tom Brady. They always seem to have this special connection. Um, yeah. So with all that being said, I'm just gonna take a last look at the at the schedule from last week. I don't think there's much else to say. Um, again, just to go over briefly, I really want to make sure this this pod's getting better week to week. I really want to make sure that. I listen to your guys' feedback because it means so much to me when you guys give me feedback. It, I really seriously do. Even if it's criticisms, even if it's just compliments, um, just talking to me about my pod and helping me make it the best possible podcast I can make for you guys is really what's most important to me here. I really just want to make something that people can come to week in and week out, rely on, uh, really have a good time enjoying to, and really just take something away from it at each and every single week. So if you're listening to this and you've really gotten all the way this far, I appreciate the absolute hell out of you. I appreciate the hell out of you regardless, even if you just clicked on this uh, podcast. It's just, it seriously means the world to me. I really do hope that I get better from this week to week. As I've said, um, I really hope you enjoyed this pod. Uh, I'll catch you next Tuesday. And again, share this with your friends, share this with your family. Thank you guys so much for the support. And just one more time, make sure to follow my Instagram, Professional Sports Talk. I hope you guys can't hear this helicopter flying over my house right now. But with all that being said, thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Have a nice rest of your day and go Bears. <laughs> Peace, guys.